Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. What's going on, everybody? RJ Ochoa here from SB Nation's bloggingtheboys.com. Hope all is well wherever you are. We hope you're happy, safe, healthy, and that you are having yourself a very Merry Christmas. Obviously, we have a lot to get to. Uh, before we do, a reminder that our postgame show here at Blogging the Boys is presented to you by Righteous Fallen Craft Jerky, the jerk that helps fuel our now 10-3 and three Dallas Cowboys. That is correct. Righteous Fallen Jerky and Biltong are available for Cowboys players at the Ford Center Training Facility. Each two-ounce bag of jerky has 16 to 20 grams of protein. Biltong has 32, and each meat stick has 8 grams of protein. If it's good enough for the 10-3 and three Dallas Cowboys, it has got to be good enough for you too. Righteous Felon uses locally sourced all natural black Angus beef and prides itself on superior quality, revolutionary branding, and unique flavors that go beyond the stereotypical jerky offering. Go to RighteousFelon.com and use code BTB15 at checkout to get 15% off your order. That is RighteousFelon.com, code BTB15 for 15% off your order. They make great stocking stuffers this time of year. All right, we have a lot to get to. This is your post-game show, of course, streaming live on the Blog and the Boys YouTube channel. You can catch the rewatch if you are not here live. You can always listen to the podcast version on the Blog and the Boys podcast network as well. Subscribe however you're watching or listening. Please leave a rating, write a review. Uh, But for the live audience, we are going to commiserate and celebrate together because the Dallas Cowboys eked one out by the hair on their chinny-chin-chin, the skin of their teeth against the Houston Texans, the little brothers within the state. 27-23, to the final score. Johnny Boy RN says this game was an utter failure to prepare for a team's strengths and weakness due to an assumption that showing up would be enough. I don't know if you're a betting person, not necessarily you, Johnny Boy, but any person watching or listening. Um, if you are, what maybe line you got the Cowboys at, whether it was 16, 16 and a half, 17. The Cowboys at one point in time were 17 point favorites against their little brothers, the old stepbrothers, as Michael Irvin referred to them on NFL Network this morning. And they won by four. They did win. They did get the win. And that is ultimately the most important thing. Now, we shouldn't live in that world. We shouldn't say, well, they won. Nothing else matters. No, there's a lot of context that we can get to. I know a lot of you and, and a lot of Eagles fans who are um, you know, here because we live in your heads rent-free are excited about the NFC East mixtape this week, a show I do with the me at SB Nation, Brandon Lee Gowton, who runs our Philadelphia Eagles site. Uh, something that Brandon says a lot, actually, that I really like. Um, he refers to some games as a moral loss. You know, we hear uh, games, actually, Logical Fan here says this game feels like a loss, right? We've all heard the term moral win before, right? When when a team loses a game, but, but you know, really played their hearts out and was really close. Maybe sometimes when, you know, when they weren't expected to win, maybe like, uh, maybe like the way the Indianapolis Colts played the Houston Texans early on in the Jeff Saturday experience, right? You, we've all heard that term, a moral win. You can take away the the feelings and the motions away from a win, even though you lost. And this is kind of the opposite effect of that, right? This is kind of a moral loss, right? You you still get the win. You get the important thing here. You get to put the win in the win column. You're now 10 and three, but you can still take away the lessons from a loss because it feels like a loss. DFWAVGeek521 says this, or I agree, this feels like a loss. So we can all sit here and, and you know, mope or, or whatever you want to call it. But at the end of the day, this does go in the win column as opposed to the loss column. Now, Matt's coming in here saying people forget that even a bad NFL team is good at football. It shouldn't have been this close, but you got to give props to them for stepping up when it mattered the most. Moral loss is loser talk. I don't think it's loser talk. I think it's fair to say that the Cowboys should take away some lessons from this game as if they had lost the game. They should learn. They should have been spooked into the idea that they overlooked this team like they were not prepared, like they thought they could just sleepwalk their way to covering a 17-point spread. And that was clearly not the case because nobody can do that. Logical fans here says the only stock up is D-Law. He saved the game, literally. I do have a list of stock ups and stock downs. We're going to get to that. It was a very kind of back and forth day. As always, as we are here live, I'm making sure I'm not missing any quotes from Jerry or McCarthy, anybody post game. But um, 
but nothing yet here um, as the afternoon games kick off. By the way, the Cowboys did get some help um, in, on this particular day. I know that this day everybody wants to be pissed off and everybody wants to, to be upset. However, um, something important did come away from today's game. The Dallas Cowboys won, but the Minnesota Vikings lost, which means the Dallas Cowboys, our Dallas Cowboys, are now technically closer to the number one seed than they were when we all woke up this morning. When we all got ready for this Texans game, which was a disappointment, do not get me wrong, the Dallas Cowboys are technically closer to that. We are one Philadelphia Eagles loss away, and we just learned, obviously, that on any given Sunday, to use the proverbial cliche, on any given Sunday, any NFL team can lose. If the Eagles dropped one next week on the road against the Chicago Bears, the Christmas Eve game between the Cowboys and Eagles is literally for the number one seed in the NFC. I mean, it is today, technically, the Cowboys improved their overall standing. It is frustrating that they should have won by a larger margin. It is frustrating that Dak Prescott had a really poor game in a lot of senses, obviously, uh, through two costly interceptions, one that should have lost the game. I really thought that that kind of was um, you know, the game diesel ladies, by the way, says BLG was right. No one is afraid of Dak. I think if you are, if you are taking this game, um, and, and adding and, and sort of applying all of it to who Dak Prescott is, I don't think that's fair. It was a poor game from Dak Prescott, by the way, um, tweet right now from the athletics, John, the show that Jerry Jones didn't know the severity of Terrence Steele's knee injury, but said Jason Peters and Josh ball will both get opportunities at right tackle. If Steele is out. No plan to move Tyrant Smith or Tyler Smith to right tackle. All right, this is going to take us. We have a lot of ways, uh, a lot of directions to go into here for the totality of this show. Stock down Josh Ball. I mean, my goodness. It is amazing that you could come into this game not even as a starter and earn a stock down. Josh Ball almost lost this game for the Dallas Cowboys. Obviously, Terrence Steele left early on with the knee injury. We're all hoping he's all right. Terrence Steele has been one of the best, you know, sort of stories of this season. Uh, but Josh Ball had to come in and and, you know, look, I have eaten a lot of crow, all right? My belly is very full when it comes to crow and the Dallas Cowboys and decisions that they made over the course of the offseason. But one thing that never, ever, ever made any sense was them banking on Josh Ball to be their primary swing tackle, or at least one of their primary swing tackles. The Cowboys did not shore up their tackle depth behind Tyron Smith. That crap hit the fan when it came to training camp. Tyler Smith came in and saved them, absolutely saved them. Tyler Smith has, and he's gotten them to the point where Tyron Smith could be returning next week, maybe the following week against the Eagles. We don't know, but obviously Terrence Steele has been holding things down on the right side of the line. Josh Ball came in, and the Cowboys even told us. You guys remember the Denver game, the, the Denver preseason game, that is? They told us, they said, don't, don't worry about how Josh is playing at swing tackle, all right? Tyler's going to be fine. Josh is better on the right side anyway. Josh is, is so much better on the right side, so don't worry. Y'all just freaking out for nothing. All right, Josh, step on up. Terrence Steel goes down. It's your time to shine. Josh Ball, horrible. In fact, Josh Ball was so horrible that he got benched. So not only did Josh Ball not start in this game, he got benched. Think about how bad you have to be to come into an NFL game as a reserve, as a substitute, as, a, as an option after an injury, and still get benched. I mean, it is very, very, very very sad that this is the case here, but stock up. Similarly, what goes down must come up. So stock down for Josh Ball, stock up to Jason Peters. This was the moment that Jason Peters saved the Cowboys. The Cowboys won this game 27 to 23 and might not have won it if not for Jason Peters. The fact that the Cowboys, when the going got tough, when they had to have things on that final drive, they put Jason Peters in on the right side and he was wonderful. And obviously, I don't think any of us can properly understand how difficult that is to just all of a sudden play right tackle in the NFL for Jason Peters to switch sides on the money drive and just do an incredible job the way that he did really, really, really speaks to why he is going to be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame someday. So stock down Josh Ball, stock up Jason Peters. He came in, he saved things. I do not ever want to see Josh Ball play for the Dallas Cowboys ever again. I certainly don't want to see him get any time at right tackle if Terrence still has to miss time. Jo excuse me, uh, Jason Peters is and should be the only option if Terrence Steele is unable to go. Sorry, right. Johnny Boy says, we did not need this game to know that Josh Ball is not an effective offensive tackle right or left side. I agree with that. Uh, Survivor uh, 722 Gaming, by the way, this week, the season's uh, finale of Survivor. Cannot wait. I'm super pumped for the, uh, the two-hour season finale. But uh, Survivor 722 Gaming says, RJ, I could play right tackle better than Ball. Of course, Peters would do better. That's true, but it still was not easy what Jason Peters did, and he deserves a lot of credit for that. Jacob says, Peters talked about playing right tackle if needed when we signed him. True team player. Very much agreed. D-Day 2 says, Peters, no practice, not used to playing right tackle, is still a big upgrade over Ball. 
Agreed, agreed, agreed. Michael Gelkin of the Dallas Morning News right now tweeting out that Terrence Steele is scheduled for an MRI on his left knee on Monday. Uh, the Cowboys do have Jason Peters, uh, but man, it is um, it is a tough situation. So our um, our poll question, um, if you're watching live, if you're not watching live or listening live, obviously um, you can't participate. Those are just the rules, the way YouTube works. Um, is is who is our righteous felon craft jerky player of the game? Zeke Elliott, Tony Pollard. I thought Leighton Vanderish was the best player. That's the direction I would lean in. But if you're here now, please vote in that. Uh, we will hand out our righteous felon craft jerky player of the game afterwards. Uh, man, Mr. Cynical says, how the hell did Dallas win this? If you want to be cynical, um, do en- do any of us. I'll ask the question. You can answer yes or no if you're here with us live. Do any of us think that Houston ordered the code red at the very end? Do any of us think that the Texans and Lovey Smith were like, yeah, it's code red time. All right, we've, we've had our fun. We flirted around. We had a good time. All right, we almost won this game. We proved we were the better team in this game. But we're, we're super close, people. We're really close to... Uh, to Christmas time. Uh, let's go ahead. Let's lock up this number one overall pick. We don't need to mess around with anything like that. Let's go get this done. Let's call everything back. Now, uh, Kevin says, no, that is silly, RJ. I don't think it's silly. Brian says, uh, no, they were trying. Um, I, I think it's it's possible. I mean, I don't I want to outright accuse the Texans of this, but um, just having a little bit of fun here. But how the Cowboys won this game, and this is going this this is the kind of week where nothing I say or nothing anybody says is going to make you feel better. We're all pissed off, and we're all just looking for an outlet for this pissed offness, right? We're trying to shine it out like a Care Bear, just with the way they, they shine those things out of their chest. We just want to get rid of this pissed offness. And so, if you want to know the answer, Mr. Cynical, how did the Cowboys win this game? Because of Dak Prescott at the very end, and not just Dak Prescott, because of Dak Prescott and Dalton Schultz and that clutch Noah Brown catch and Jason Peters playing right tackle at a moment's notice because the Cowboys took things seriously at the very end because Demarcus Lawrence, holy crap, what an amazing stop because Demarcus Lawrence came up with the clutch stop right near the goal line because the Texans can't figure out how to run an offensive play on fourth and goal or third and goal, whatever it was. I mean, they cannot figure things out, whether they did order the code red or not. I mean, that is why they won this game because they are the better team in the overall. And when they had to have one thing, they did it. They put their crap together for one moment in time to get that moment in time. And that was the most valuable moment. That's really what it was. They hit on 20 and that ace came out of the deck. That is how the Cowboys won this game. They should have lost. You can make a very, 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 very strong argument that they should have lost this game. And this is kind of the difference, right? This is the difference between, you know, when this season is over being, 13 and four or 12 and five being 14 and three and 13 and four these games that you're not supposed to win finding a way and I think you could ask the same question how did the Eagles beat the Colts right sometimes games like that unfold you can certainly ask that question about how did have have the Bills had the Bills beat the Lions on Thanksgiving right there's all sorts of examples where teams and, and I don't mean to lump the Lions into the same place as the Colts and, and, and the Texans and the Lions actually did us a favor obviously by beating the Minnesota Vikings today but that happens sometimes it comes down sometimes the 60 minute game the 60 minute sequence this whole stretch of time sometimes it comes down to one series, one moment, one player, one quarterback, one throw, one opportunity, one shot. If you had it, you know, shout out Eminem, of course, speaking of Detroit. I mean, the Cowboys pulled it off. They pulled off the thing that they had to have when they had to have it. All right, making sure um, we're not missing anything here, by the way. Just, wow. Uh, Glenn, I like this comment here, says the turning point of the game, the Turpin fumble. Turpin, don't fumble. We go down and score the Texans. Fold. Um, look, um, Cowboy, if you missed this game, maybe you were busy. It's a Sunday noon game. Sometimes things happen. Um, so the Cowboys get the ball to start the game. Texans win the toss, in case you're curious. They defer. All right, Dallas gets the ball. They go down the field. Tony Pollard scores. Bada bing, bada boom. We're going to cover, baby. 16-17. Line should have been 20. We're going to cover this easily. Cowboys defense gets on the field. Three and out. 20. <laughs> Make it 25. This is Bama. All right. We're about to cover this thing in our sleep. No sweat about it. Texans punt. So to be clear, at this point in time, the Cowboys have gone down the field on their opening possession, which is kind of a rare thing for them this season, and scored a touchdown. Their defense has come out and answered the call and gone three and out. And then on the punt return, Kevontae Turpin muffs it. You cannot do that. You absolutely cannot do that. Stock down Kevontae Turpin. And look, I don't think that Kevontae Turpin is a bad player for the Cowboys. I don't think that Kevontae Turpin, um, by the way, uh, there was a lot happening in the aftermath of this game, um, getting things ready for the show. I'm seeing some of your comments. Did they did they give that last interception to Israel Mukwamu over Trayvon Diggs? I do need some confirmation. Kevin says Israel stole an interception from Diggs. So it does seem um, like the interception was awarded to Israel Mukwamu. Uh, but that being said, 
man, Kevante Turpin, you cannot. Oh, thank you, Donnie, uh, for letting me know. Kevante Turpin, and then letting the punt go near the end of the game and just letting the Texans down you at the one-yard line. This was just a really, really, really bad game for Kevante Turpin. Now, we have not seen him house any punt or house any kickoff. He has made a difference. I, I don't think that um, any person should look at this game or look at these these couple of moments and say, Kevante Turpin's trash, blah, blah, blah. He has been an important member of the Dallas Cowboys this season, but man alive, he was almost the reason that they lost this game. You cannot do that. You cannot give opponents the ball inside your own 25-yard line. Dak Prescott did that twice. I mean, you, you just cannot commit those mistakes. And Kevontae Turpin had one of um, one of the worst games of his professional career, at least in the NFL. He's obviously been around the block uh, when it comes to various leagues. Um, a lot of you are bringing this up. Um, let's see. Kenneth Cook says, by the way, first game without a sack from any player. You would have thought that, I mean, the Cowboys would have been adding to their total. But that's where that's where things just don't don't stick, right? And this some uh, one example is after... Um, after the Cowboys beat the Commanders, right, a long time ago now, um, everybody, and this is not a great example, but everybody said at the time, right, Deron Bland's better than Jordan Lewis. Watch out, watch out, watch out. He's going to be amazing. He's going to be amazing. And he has been amazing. I don't want to, you know, take away, because I thought Deron Bland played very well today um, for the most part. Obviously, it was a rough game for the Cowboys secondary in some respects, but um, turns out he wasn't this, like, shutdown nickel corner from day one. Turns out Jordan Lewis was better, and obviously Jordan Lewis got hurt and everything that happened in between. But people, we, we sometimes live in the moment like that. We sometimes live in the moment and say, oh, this, this is going to happen. This one amazing thing that has happened twice is going to happen all the time now. And it was just eventually there was going to be some regression, right? There was going to be some regression to the mean uh, for the Cowboys as far as sacks were concerned. They weren't going to have six sacks a game. They weren't going to pull that off over and over and over and over again. And so this was a bit of regression, and it almost caught them. That almost bit them. They did not get the kind of little things that they'd been getting to this point in the season, but they still found a way to win, which is certainly impressive. Uh, Eston Kirby says, man, this game was bad for everyone. Um, Jaime, I want to get into this subject. Uh, Jaime says, Micah looks hurt since last week. Um, I saw another comment and it's gone at this point in time. Um, let's see here. Link says, Micah playing with injuries. All teams are by this point. I agree, uh, with that, but it did feel, look, I don't want to at all (laughs) say like Micah Parsons is not a great player. Micah Parsons is the best player on this team. To be very clear, there's no doubt about it, but it, it has, what was the last like Micah moment, right? Micah had a, an impressive game against the, the Giants on Thanksgiving day it was just kind of invisible, relatively speaking against the Colts because everybody else kind of had these big splash sexy moments. But yeah, this was, this was maybe the least impactful that Micah Parsons has been since joining the Cowboys. I mean, I don't know that that is um, like a shock. Uh, but man, uh, by the way, Jane Slater tweeting just now that Trayvon Diggs battled through not one, but two banged up thumbs. Uh, she tweeted, uh, tells me the left one got jammed up on the second drive of the game, taped up, played through it. Also adds he better, oh, he didn't get the interception. So, um, Trayvon seems to be okay, but did have the two thumb issues. Um, and so actually his thumbs so, um, so well intact that he almost had that interception that is a Mukwamu stole. Uh, but man, I mean, it's, uh, Joe's racing team says Micah seemed very low energy. Um, Mark says Micah seems a bit slow. Houston quarterback outran him at the end. It it's just been a weird little stretch, little and and like tiny. I mean, like and, and Micah is the the just a tremendous enough player that you know him not having these incredible game changing plays is is weird for him, right? We've just grown accustomed to Micah having massive impactful moments week to week to week to week which is impossible that's again that was never going to be the case for his entire nfl career um it is strange right that that this game that we're talking about this performance from him came against the houston texans um i will say micah's greatest impact in this game came at the very end laramie tunsil man i mean micah parsons you can take up all the real estate you want because micah parsons was living in laramie tunsil's head completely and totally rent free at the very end back-to-back false starts obviously as houston was trying to pull off a miracle before the i guess israel mukwamu interception um so micah's still making an impact but we're just not seeing it um, in the same way that we have been, that is more common and more obvious. I think Patrick Mahomes just did something amazing. Um, so that is uh, what is happening here. But the parent, in case you're curious, because this happens when we're on um, right after the noon games, Panthers up 10 nothing on the Seahawks. The Niners up 7 nothing. If you're curious, the Niners-Bucks game, 
Um, doesn't have a huge impact on us as Cowboys fans. That can go either way. It's just a matter of preference. I personally would rather see the Bucks lose. I'd like to get Tampa out of the fold. Plus, if the Panthers can, can wind up winning and win the NFC South, that would maybe help the Cowboys out in terms of being the team they visit in the wild card round if it does come down to that. But back to the game, Kenneth Cook says 11 is the best player on the Cowboys. The two penalties in the last Texas drive was because the offense was scared. Uh, agreed. Um, Alex, by the way, says, focus, Cowboys talk. It's all relative. Um, let's see here. D-Day, too, says Houston ran super safe plays because of turnovers by our offense. Not many times there were must-pass situations. Here's the thing. This, I don't know that, that Houston did anything um, amazing against the Cowboys. I do think the Cowboys just... Just kind of chilled. I mean, just just kind of 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 thought they could sleepwalk through this, and they couldn't. They they I guess they could. I mean, they kind of did, but they had to get serious here. And what's what's frustrating um, and a little bit concerning is that when they tried to get serious in the very end, they still couldn't do it. Right? That the Dak Prescott interception that almost lost the game was, and I know he got bumped. I know he got hit. I know all of that. But man, it was really really frustrating. If it isn't obvious, Dak Prescott on the stock down list. Um, Dak is. There are multiple things that can be true here. All right. Something that, uh, among the list of all things that are true right now. Number one, Dak Prescott played very poorly against the Houston Texans. Nobody's going to deny that. Nobody's going to tell you anything. Number two, when the Cowboys had to have a drive, Dak Prescott pulled it off at the very end. That does not undo or, you know, un unmake the, the bed that he put them in. But the Cowboys had to have a drive at the very end of the game. Dak Prescott executed it he deserves credit for that drive but obviously everything leading up to that basically was very questionable and very unfortunate it is also true that Dak Prescott has been playing very well for the most part he's had these moments um and I mentioned this on the mixtape I've mentioned this several places if you're going to read anybody talking about this subject I would read Bob Sturm obviously the great Bob Sturm of the ticket the athletic is where you can find his written work um, you know, I, I think we would agree that Dak has been a, a tad, a touch over aggressive. Um, and we've seen that kind of burn them. And you could argue in this game, you know, the tip ball, things like that, whatever. Uh, but man, and, and that's the thing, like, you know, David's comment here. And I, I agree with this, like in a literal sense, David's comment says both interceptions aren't on Dak, though. Uh, one hit Noah Brown in the shoulder. The other is on Josh Ball. I agree with that. Um, that's fair, right? That's, that's fair context. This is where multiple things can be true. I don't, and I know that this isn't your point, David Holden. Um, I don't think Dak is this victim. I don't, I don't think Dak is infallible when it comes to those interceptions. Or, you know, we talked about the interceptions in Green Bay or the interception early on against the Giants when he thought he had a freed play. At, at some point, you know, that there is a blend and a balance of responsibility and blame and criticism for us to levy. Um, I, this was not a great you know, game for Dak Prescott for the most part, but he did have the drive at the very end um, that he had to, which was um, which was important. Zach, by the way, has to go somewhere. Can't, says can't stay for long, but she stocked down Dak, and that was an ugly one. Agreed. Um, you know, let's see here. Shane says uh, Dak has been showing signs of a game like this for a while. I think that's very well said. Um, we, we it's just kind of been hovering right now. Dak has played very well, and and this is where Dak look. This is the Cowboys and Dak Prescott and all this stuff. But, you know, people make this into extremes. He's either like playing at the most elite level for 100% of the time or he's trash for 100% of the time. That is never true. That is not true of any quarterback or any player of, of anyone in the NFL, of any sport, whatever the case may be. Uh, but, man, this was this was the worst game I think he's played since um, since coming back. And I thought last week was the worst game he had played since coming back. So he outdid that. Um, and that's concerning. Obviously, he was incredible in the second half against the Giants on Thanksgiving Day. He was wonderful against the Vikings now about a month ago, obviously, as the Cowboys dismantled them. He was very good, obviously, against the Chicago Bears. The game against the Lions, I think we're all willing to give him first one back. The game against the Packers, again, the interceptions you can probably put on Dak, but he has played very well for the most part. He has put them in positions to win. They've been a high-scoring offense. Um, on the surface, I mean, you know, they scored a lot of points technically in this game, uh, but there's a lot for him to improve on, I think. Uh, which we should totally pay attention to. Kevin, by the way, says stock down Schultz, same as Dak, great last drive, but wouldn't have been in that spot had he not dropped a touchdown. I 100% agree with you. Stock down, Dalton Schultz did make my list as well. Um, what what was the last? What was the last like great play that Dalton Schultz made? And I'm not trying to to you know point fingers or anything. I'm I'm genuinely asking. What was what was the last time? Obviously, you know Dak or excuse me, Dak and Dalton had a wonderful. Um, sort of final drive in this game against Houston. But what, what was the last moment that you were like, man, that's Dalton Schultz. It's just been, and it's an unfortunate year for Dalton, obviously playing on the tag. I think everybody knows, and he obviously wanted to have a big season, you know, to put himself in a you know prominent position for free agency in the summer, in the spring. Uh, but man, I just not, not the best game for him. Um, again, had an important role in the drive at the very end, deserves credit for that. 
but not a great, um, not a great, you know, game all the way up until that. Kelsey, by the way, says, I don't know. He drops touchdowns. Um, yeah, it's tough. Uh, it's a tough situation, but let's see here. Making sure I'm not missing anything from Jerry or anybody. Uh, the Niners are punting to the Bucks. if you do care about that. So all is well. Everything's normal um, as far as Jerry and the Cowboys are concerned. Um, let's see here. One, I, this, I'm always, a, always a, a tough situation for me. Here we go. One point slash JG26 underscore JDoc says Dolan has had several big drops this year. I agree. Um, I agree. Hyman notes that we have some Eagles fans in the comments. You would think that the Eagles fans would be celebrating their own team's victory, but alas, rent-free, all that fun stuff. Um, Mark says, uh, let's see here, where the heck was James Washington today? It was James Washington's debut. One target, as far as I'm, I'm concerned, I believe that's uh, what he got officially, one target for James Washington, and he got rocked on it um, and was not able to haul it in. The only uh, Cowboy targeted today that did not have a reception First game back, I don't, I don't, if you had lofty expectations, uh, I'm not saying you did, Mark, but I think that w- would have been unfair uh, to James Washington. I mean, it, has, it had been a long time since James Washington had taken a hit like that, obviously, um, with him missing all this time. Um, so um, just kind of is what it is. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Mikey Montano, thank you for the notes. The steals probably out for the season based on tweets. That would suck a lot. Uh, but uh, we will see what happens. The, the Jason Peters' presence does, I think, make us feel better about that. Um, but so, you know, Josh Ball's presence, I think, makes us feel concerned. Uh, Watsamata says, I'm liking Noah Brown for stock up. Um, so when I came into this, I did not have him listed. But obviously, uh, as is the case here, uh, I do reserve the right to change this. So thank you, Watsamata, for your, uh, your comment. Let me get this typed up here. Stock up, Noah Brown. What a clutch catch at the very end of this game. Um, and by the way, we will see what the situation is uh, on Terrence Steele. So nobody panic quite yet. But Noah Brown was awesome. This was maybe the best. Am I am I wrong here? I'd be curious if anybody agreed. This felt like the best Noah Brown game with Dak Prescott at quarterback. Maybe not the best Noah Brown game of the season, uh, but the, you know, obviously the, the more prominent Noah Brown games came early on when Michael Gallup was still out and Cooper Rush was the quarterback. Uh, but this was the best I thought Noah Brown played with Dak Prescott um obviously as the team starting quarterback so good for him in that sense uh Noah Brown's official stat line finished the day six targets four receptions an appropriate 85 yards for number 85 21.3 yards perception uh, excuse me reception led the Cowboys in that capacity had the clutch performance or clutch catch near the very end of this game so yeah Noah Brown like I said it was a bit of a, a manic situation to get the show off and running so I didn't have Noah Brown originally but he definitely makes the list he'll be on the list when I do it um obviously over on um on Instagram and when I write the article at blogintheboys.com. So congratulations to Noah Brown. That's just me showing you some transparency because Noah Brown I thought was wonderful. I'm going to go ahead and give Tony Pollard a stock up. Uh, he had the two touchdowns, the only two touchdowns before the very end. What else is there to say at, t- at this point? I mean, I would. who is the most – who who is a more explosive player in the NFL of non-quarterbacks? Who is a more explosive player than Tony Pollard? Tyreek Hill? That's the only one I could think of off the top of my head. Like who is a more explosive player than Tony Pollard besides Tyreek Hill. I'm willing to give you Tyreek Hill. I'm very willing to give you that one. But who else? I struggle. It is very difficult to come up with another player across the entire NFL outside of Tyreek Hill, non-quarterbacks, obviously, that is more explosive, certainly on a week-to-week basis, than Tony Pollard. You can make an argument, obviously, for Christian McCaffrey when when he's on. I mean, he is one of the more dangerous players in the NFL. I think in the past, you could have made an argument for Alvin Kamara. Um, Obviously, you know, hasn't been quite the same season for him. Travis Kelsey is an amazing player. I like this answer from David Holden, Justin Jefferson. That's there, but obviously the Vikings lost today, so a little bit of wind out of those sales. Christopher Lopez says Waddle. You can make an argument for Jalen Waddle. Loco, uh, Debo Samuel, I think that's a great answer. Johnny Boyce says maybe A.J. Brown. That, my point is that it's a short list, right? <laughs> like Maybe I, I got a little bit exaggerated in my initial moment thinking he's number two behind Tyreek, but he's in the top five of, of most explosive players in the NFL. I just don't see how – I mean – we're focusing on this game in the current moment, but I don't see how the Cowboys let him walk this offseason. It just feels really strange to let that happen in my mind. The Buccaneers, by the way, have just tied it with the 49ers thanks to a huge Mike Evans touchdown. So I hope that you had uh, Mike Evans on your fantasy team. Jaime Vasquez, the most important comment of the day, notes that tomorrow is Victory Polo Monday, baby. Still counts. A win is a win. Uh, that is very well said. Uh, so stock up Tony Pollard in addition uh, to Noah Brown, of course, we already talked about him. I mentioned this, Leighton Vanderesh. Leighton gets a stock up for me 
I, I honestly think, look, we have our, our poll question going. Obviously, if you're watching uh, us live, who the Righteous Fallen Craft Turkey player of the game was, Tony Pard, Zeke Elliott, or um, or uh, Leighton Vanderish. But man alive, I really thought that, that Leighton was maybe the best defensive player on the Cowboys today. He really was. Like, Leighton was so good today in, in a way that, I, I mean, he's been good all season. And I don't want to, you know, I know people will be like, you jinx, jinx, blah, blah, blah. But. Leighton Vanderish played every single game last season. He has not missed a game due to injury this season. I mean, like Leighton has really done a lot to put the injury conversation behind him. There was that huge stretch like, oh, man, he's a super injury prone. Leighton Vanderish, blah, blah, blah. He has played very, very, very well basically since the oh the, the Bucks touchdown called back. You all said that sucks. So if y'all had Mike Evans, that sucks for y'all. Uh, but Leighton has been awesome. I really thought he was the best defensive player on the Cowboys roster today. Give him all of the props in the world. David Holden says Wolf Hunter's back, baby, and we need him to be very much agreed. I mean, we we sat here. I know one of the things, look, my um my disdain for the Josh Ball belief from the Cowboys obviously aged well. I've had a lot of things that aged poorly. And one of them was not necessarily Aiden Vanderish, but we talked about, right, the reason we wanted Bobby Wagner was because what are you going to do when you have Micah Parsons rushing the passer? Who is going to play linebacker for you all the time? It is irresponsible to rely on Leighton Vanderesh. The Cowboys have relied on Leighton Vanderesh, and it has worked out in their favor. I think that Leighton Vanderesh has been phenomenal. J one point slash JD twenty six underscore J Dog nailed it. Says I think Leighton should get re-signed. The Cowboys were able to pull it off this past year on that one year deal, that Mo Claiborne thing, where they didn't pick up the one year option or fifth year option, but then got the one year deal. I think Leighton's probably made himself some money. As Brian notes, thank you for the super chats. As LVE is a beast. Agreed. Really, really awesome game for Leighton Vanderesh um, in a lot of senses. So, uh, stock up. We did Tony Pollard, Leighton Vanderesh, Jason Peters. We got to Noah Brown. Uh, let's see here. I think we have one more. Uh, let's see. That's four, right? We've gotten to four stock ups. Uh, our final stock up, Zeke Elliott. I mean, Zeke was. It's, it feels strange to constantly have Tony Pollard and Zeke Elliott both in the stock up conversation. Um, and I would have had Donovan Wilson. He had the forced fumble, but I think he just got edged out by all these performances. I limited it to five because it was a lot of stock down to hand out. Um, this Zeke looked awesome in this, this. Like it's hard to say this because both Zeke and Pollard have looked great at, at so many different opportunities and moments this season. This was maybe the best that Zeke has looked. I mean, Zeke looked fresh and was cutting and moving and grooving and had the game-winning touchdown, and so that kind of adds to the effect. I really thought this was an amazing Zeke Elliott game. I, I hesitate to say it looked like vintage Zeke because I don't think that we'll ever see, you know, 2016 Zeke ever again. But, man, he looked close to that. I mean, he was just on a different level than we've seen, even at, the, at different points this season. Um, so um, it's good to see. Jared, by the way, says Zeke. Um, Vic Damone says stock down Micah. I didn't go as far as giving Micah stock down, but I'm totally fine having the conversation about him not being at the same level right now. David says, yeah, Zeke was a beast today. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Uh, Shane Davis, by the way, says, I love the broadcast calling Zeke all reliable. I I know that a lot of people don't feel this way. I loved Mark Sanchez. Mark was awesome. Like, Mark was such a great color analyst for this game. He is such a great analyst in general. Um, he is just a really fun media voice. I really enjoyed um, Mark Sanchez on this call. So, um, did a great job. Um, Zach, we did talk about this. You must be a little bit late, but we can revisit it briefly. Zach says, what do we think of Micah being relatively quiet over the last two weeks? Um, I think, um, I think it's hard. I think it's hard to be that good all the time. And I think that, um, I think that we're seeing that. And I think that 
you know, it's December. Mike has been playing um, at a high level for a very long time. And um, sometimes that catches up to you. So hopefully we see Micah kind of return to form. By the way, I just saw this tweet. Um, Bobby Bell, friend of the show of 105.3 The Fan, tweeted out, Terrence Steele is expected to have an MRI on his knee tomorrow. We talked about that. But this is the first tweet I've seen where, he, where somebody notes it. it. says, there's concern that Steele may not return to the field this season. Also, you know, huge bummer um, in that sense. Um, Terrence Steele is eligible for a new deal in the offseason. We talk a lot about Trayvon Diggs and C.D. Lamb and them being eligible for new deals. Terrence Steele was an undrafted free agent in 2020 and has started a lot of games for the Cowboys, right? I mean, I think we all want Terrence Steele on this team in 2023. I mean, you know, so that is a big deal if he's injured and, and that becomes a factor. That's the way contract negotiations go. So certainly rooting for Terrence Steele uh, in whatever ultimately comes of this MRI and obviously the rest of this season. I may thank you for the super chats to stock up RJ Ochoa and all of the BTB crew. Um, agreed. Uh, let's see here. Let's move on. Uh, making sure I don't miss. Um, uh, let's see. Um, okay, we're all good. Anyway, so um, Mikey Montano just cutting down to brass tacks. Maybe we can get him cheaper if he's hurt. Mikey, whoa, what's going on? I mean, I, it's, it's, Mikey has been taken over by the spirit of Stephen Jones uh, here in our live postgame show, of course, presented by Righteous Fallen Craft Jerky. Vote, please, for our Righteous Fallen Craft Jerky player of the game. All right, so stock up for me. Tony Pollard, Zeke Elliott, Leighton Vanderish, Jason Peters, Noah Brown. Uh, those are our five stock ups. We already talked about Cavante Turpin. Dak Prescott, Dalton Schultz, and Josh Ball as far as stock downs. A nice even week where we had five and five, I think, if I'm counting them correctly. Uh, so that means we have one more stock down to get to. Mike McCarthy, if you follow me, I didn't mean to capitalize the first C. It looks now it looks like Mike and like McCarthy. I didn't mean to do that. So I'm sorry if you're watching the, the show on YouTube. Um, I have given Mike McCarthy a lot of um, of praise and hope and, and, and flowers, and I think he deserves all of them. I mentioned this at the top, and we'll put this up here right now. Uh, let's see, where did it go? Where did it go? Um, the Cowboys, in case you did not know this, we talked about this all week long, uh, but the Cowboys have won double-digit games. Today was their 10th win of the season, so they have won. This is objectively true. This is objective fact. You cannot deny this. They have won their 10th game of the year, which means they have won double-digit games. For the second year in a row, all right, they won 12 games a year ago. They have won 10 now. Both of those numbers are double digits. That's the way numbers work. They have not done this. They have not won double-digit games in consecutive seasons since 1995 and 1996. Every year since 1997, the Cowboys have had double-digit wins in a season. They have failed to reach that mark the following year. Now, there have been two instances where the Cowboys were playoff teams in back-to-back -back years, but they did that as wild-card teams, obviously, in one of those years. Um, so that being said, I think that McCarthy deserves a lot of credit for building a, a culture, a football culture uh, that has gotten the Cowboys at this point because here's the thing. It is very hard to win the Super Bowl, right? We all know that. The Cowboys probably won't win the Super Bowl, right? Like if you're if you're laying out odds, and that's not just a reaction to today, it is difficult. You could say if you could not find a team in the NFL to say they will probably win the Super Bowl. They have a 51% chance of winning the Super Bowl. It is a very difficult thing to do. But if you are a team that is in the mix, that is in the tournament, in the playoffs, year after year after year after year, then odds are that at some point fate will smile upon you. And that being the case, I think Mike McCarthy deserves a lot of credit for building a team um, that has reached this point, that is going to be a playoff team in a second straight year, that can survive in a game like this, right? That, that can ultimately win this game. That being the case, you cannot tell us all week long that you're not worried about slow starts, that slow starts aren't a thing, that you're not going to have any slow starts and come out and have a slow start. That falls on Mike McCarthy. We can sit here and we can apply fair blame and fair criticism to different players and different coaches. Dak Prescott, Kevante Turpin, Dalton Schultz. I had Kellen Moore on this stock down list, but ultimately Josh Ball stole it from him. All right, we can sit here and blame a lot of people because there's enough blame. There's enough of this pie. Shout out to Mikey Montano, Stephen Jones once again. There's enough of this to go around, but it all starts at the top. It all starts with Mike McCarthy. You cannot have your team come out and be this flat. I'm sorry. You cannot play this poorly against a 110-1 team. You can't. You can't do this. And, you know, before the game, I, I thought that there was a lot of great coverage around this subject. The Fox broadcast talked about how Mike McCarthy told the players, you cannot, you know, smell the cheese, smell yourself, what, whatever it is, bite the cheese. I don't know the cheese expression that, that, you know, means this thing. You cannot do that. D-Day 2, thank you for letting us know that the Panthers are up 17 to nothing on Seattle right now. We like to see this because we want to see the Panthers win the NFC South. Anyway, 
back to the McCarthy point. Again, it, multiple things can be true. I still am very high on him. I think he should be the coach of the Dallas Cowboys for the long term. I think it would be a mistake for the Cowboys to move on from him in the offseason, regardless of what happened in the playoffs. That being said, today, Sunday, December 11th, you cannot lose this. Or, I mean, I know they didn't lose, but you cannot play this poorly. You cannot play down to the Texans, and that's what they did. And we've seen the Cowboys do that a little bit now, right? I think we're learning, if you didn't know this already, that the Giants, maybe not that great of a football team. <laughs> the Giants have, have kind of struggled. Did you know that the Giants are in last place in the NFC East? Did anybody know that? And I know that's not anything to be ashamed of in 2022, but the Giants have fallen all the way to last place. And so the Cowboys kind of, you know, Giants held tough with them for a little bit on Thanksgiving. It's a short week. Okay, it's Thanksgiving, whatever. Colts held tough with the Cowboys. That was very well chronicled over the course of last week before the big fourth quarter ballooning. And this game, it took a massive, you know, heroic drive from the Cowboys, from Dak Prescott, to snatch victory from the jaws of defeat. Mike McCarthy, just because the Cowboys won this game, should not ultimately be levied or, or, or exonerated from any sort of blame or criticism in my mind. Stephen Jones, by the way, has chimed in and said, forgive me, I'm just sad and want steel back. Uh, we all understand where you're coming from, Mikey. So, um, let's see here. Carlos, thank you for the super chat. Says, I'm here late, so hopefully you didn't already say this, but stock up Jason Peters for bringing stability to the O-line after the disaster that is ball. We did touch on this, Carlos, and I think that this is an example of where McCarthy, you know, and everybody, I don't mean to put this all at the feet of McCarthy, but where they failed, right? I mean, to your point, Carlos, Jason Peters' play at right tackle saved them. Does does anybody here, you can answer if you want to, We're, you know, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this question or this whatever, does anybody here think that that last drive happens with Josh Ball at right tackle? Do any of us think that? Do, do any of us really think that the Cowboys pull off that incredible last drive to go score the game-winning touchdown? Do we think that they do that if Josh Ball is playing right tackle instead of Jason Peters? The answer is no. They do not do that if Josh Ball is in there. All, right? All of you are saying no. However, the Cowboys did put in Jason Peters. They deserve credit, but they also dug the hole, right? They, they, <laughs> they dug the hole by putting Josh Ball out there to begin with. They dug the hole by believing in Josh Ball over the course of the preseason and training camp, even when all of the evidence suggested that they should not do that. They dug the hole by drafting Josh Ball in the fourth round despite a very questionable pass. They dug that hole. Just because they pulled themselves out of the hole does not mean that they didn't put them in the hole to begin with. Um, so I just think that McCarthy deserves his fair share of criticism for this game, for this performance, despite the fact that the Cowboys were able to ultimately do the thing that mattered, uh, which is to win. But he is different from his predecessor because I agree with Amit here, says Garrett would have let Ball stay in. I totally agree with you. The Cowboys would have Chaz Greened Josh Ball and said, like, well, you got to win. You got to beat your man opposite of you. You got to win your one-on-one -on -one battle. And I give Mike McCarthy some credit for saying, you know what, dude? This sucks. Don't do this anymore. Let's get Josh, or excuse me, Jason Peters in there, and let's just win this game and figure it out. So I think that Mike McCarthy, while some things from this game were kind of good in a weird, toxic way, deserves criticism for ultimately um, the way it began and continued all the way up until uh, the very end. Let's see here. Mark says, we absolutely played down to our competition. I agree with that. Matt says, Cowboys deserve both praise and scorn for how the game went today. Agreed. And that's the thing. Like, this is a difficult thing to do when you talk about really anything, uh, but certainly sports. People want to live in, in, in the extreme. Well, they won, dude. Why are you mad? Why are you upset? Oh, my team's 10-3. and three. Why are you mad? I'm mad because they should have lost this game. Right. If we're really fair, they probably should have lost, but they didn't. And that's a good thing. But just because they didn't doesn't mean that they are blameless for the things they did. That means they should have lost. Um, Fab Sosa, Fab, excuse me, says our front four haven't been getting pressured two weeks in a row. Agree with that. And I don't want to, you know, bag on Dan Quinn. But what's going on, Danny? I mean, what, what's happening here, Dan Quinn? Because you were supposed to be the one like people like I just sat here and went on a 10 minute tirade about Mike McCarthy. What's going up? What's going on, Dan Quinn? We're sitting here talking about Micah Parsons not making the same impact over the course of the last two weeks. You're not getting home with four pass rushers. When you are sending your safeties, things aren't working out. You sent Jaron Curse at one point in this game near the end, and you got burned on it. I mean, Dan Quinn has his flaws, too. Everybody on the Cowboys has their flaws. Everybody has their moments. Everybody makes mistakes. That is obviously true in every aspect of life. But we act like somebody is infallible 
Um, thank you, Glenn, for letting me know. Brock Purdy, in case you didn't know, in case you didn't watch any NFL pregame show today, Brock Purdy was the last pick in the draft. I, they call that Mr. Irrelevant. So he's Mr. Irrelevant, but he just had a rushing touchdown uh, to go up, to put the Niners up, excuse me, 13 to nothing, extra point pending against the Bucks. We got the Bucks losing. We got the Panthers winning. It is doable, people. We can get the Panthers to first place in the NFC South. Uh, that is, um, you know, what matters the most. Brian, thank you for the super chat. Says Dak just got sacked in the locker room when you mentioned Chaz Green. Thank you for the super chat. Um, Chaz Green, very good time. Caleb says, RJ, in your prediction article, you said style points don't matter, and today that's what happened. I agree. I mean, I agree with myself. I, I trust myself more than anybody, uh, except for my wife. My wife knows everything. I'm, you know, definitely not know everything compared to my wife. But that being the case, they got the win, and that is ultimately what matters. I would there is no world where I would rather be nine and four than 10 and three to be very clear. I'm happy with the net result of this game, but results don't justify the process, right? We can't sit here. And I, I don't think that's what you're doing, Caleb, but I, I don't think we should sit here and say everything worked out. This team is great. Let's party rock on. Let's you know continue on Jacksonville up next. No, like they should have lost this game. They did not. And they deserve credit for that. But they also deserve criticism for getting into that position. They were 17-point favorites. And maybe you don't care about that. Maybe you don't care about lines or anything like that. But man alive, they should not have been in this situation from the beginning. They did. I mean, it is just a very, 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 very frustrating thing um, that um, that happened to us Um so anyway, let's move on. Uh, Shane says, if you're satisfied with the result of this game, you have no interest in winning a Super Bowl. I agree with that. Read Trayvon Diggs just tweeted out, Cowboys win, comma, great fight uh, with a handshake emoji, even though both his thumbs are hurt uh, right now. So um, kudos. I mean, the Cowboys won. That's what matters the most. But we have some bigger goals, some bigger dreams, some bigger aspirations. And if the Cowboys play like this, I hate to lean on this trope, but if they play like this against the Eagles or even the Vikings, I know the Vikings lost today, the Lions, the, the spunky, plucky Lions, the Niners certainly, I mean, they are not going to go very far. Think Tank Gallery says, Archie, what happened to putting CD in the interesting motion plays we gave him last week? That's a good question. That's <laughs> that's a very good question that I would like to know the answer to, uh, but we do not know. Um, it's a tough, uh, tough scene. Uh, 34 says, RJ, have you ever seen someone miss a kick in our stadium besides us? Totally, totally. Um, very much. That happens all the time. Mark says the frustrating thing is we all know this team can do it, but they keep letting us down. I agree with that. Um, it's tough. Uh, Terso says play calling is to blame for me. I'm, I'm kind of with you. I, I, I sometimes, I'm not saying you're doing this Terso. But I sometimes think that we um, we just throw the play calling like blanket over things, right? Like you remember in Adam Sandler when um, when the kid spills the milk and Adam Sandler's character or not? What was uh, did I say? You remember in Adam Sandler? You remember in Big Daddy with Adam Sandler is was my point uh, when the little kid spills the milk and Adam Sandler just grabs the or I don't know if it's when he spills the milk or when he has an accident, whatever. But he puts newspaper on it. That's how Adam Sandler treats it, right? Like he just is like, oh, there's a mess. There's a liquid mess on the floor. Here, we'll just put some newspaper on it. Boom, problem solved. That's how I feel we sometimes are with saying, well, I think play calling was the issue. There was a lot of issues. There was, I mean, like execution is a big issue. I mean, you know, if you are somebody who griped about the play calling at the end of the first half, Cowboys came out in the second half and ran the ball nine times in a row, got all the way down to the goal line and couldn't punch it in. They ran the ball nine times. It was as if the Cowboys were a part of this postgame show or Twitter or whatever. And we're like, you, all right, you want us to run the ball? You know what? We're going to run this ball. We're going to put this newspaper on here and we're going to run this ball. And it didn't work out. And so I, I don't think that play calling is the entirety of the issue. Um, it's, um, it's tough. By the way, I just saw somebody note about uh, a Michael Gelkin tweet. I'm trying to find it myself um, just to be 100% certain. I believe you, but I do not want to um, get this wrong because this would be not great if it were the case. My other computer is a bit slower. Uh, let's see here. Let's see here. Uh, yeah, here's the Michael Gelkin tweet from 18 minutes ago, the middle of my Mike McCarthy rant. Uh, Cowboys defensive end Dorrance Armstrong exited the stadium with his right foot in a protective boot. He sprained his ankle on the Hail Mary interception. A person familiar with the injury said it believed to be a low ankle sprain, and Gelkin specified that a high ankle sprain is more severe. So no need to totally panic um, right there. Um, it is what it is. Matt says, still going to ride high on the wind today, but I'm sure that by tomorrow morning, I'll feel a different way. I actually feel the opposite. I feel really upset right now. 
and happy. Ultimately. Look, at the end of the day, our favorite football team is 10 and three, right? At the end of the day, life is still pretty sweet. Um, at the, you know, at, at the end of the day, this team has lost one game since Halloween, right? It's, you know, it's not hard. Right? <laughs> like the, the, we have we have been through much worse. Um, but tomorrow, I think as, as some more time, you know, goes on, it will feel a little bit less frustrating when we rewatch it. It'll be frustrating all over again. Uh, but um, but, you know, I think we'll start to feel better as we get further and further and further away from it. Mark says, I was concerned about this game all week. Well, I'm glad we made it through the other side, Mark. Uh, Nathan says, I didn't get to watch the game due to coverage issues and watching the play-by-play on my fantasy all about gave me a heart attack, especially before the last drive. It felt like that in the moment, Nathan. It really did feel like that. Um, D-Day 2 brings up the Eagles play like this versus the Colts. Yeah, mentioned that the Bills play like this against the Lions. I know the Lions are a better team than that. Um, it's um, it's tough. Um, it's, uh, you know, whatever. Uh, let's see here. Let's move on. Shane says, only thing to me was I felt there should have been more run calls today. This game seemed tailor-made for it against a major underdog. Agreed. Um, very much agreed. Let's see here. Brian says every team has let down games. The Eagles let down. It is true. I mean, you're not going to score 33 points in every fourth quarter. Uh, Dak Prescott was asked, I believe here, about his nine interceptions in eight games. He said, I'm damn sure not a fan of that. Um, he said he made a poor judgment on the first interception against the Texans and that his arm was hit while, while throwing the second. He said, damn right, it's frustrating, and he will still stay aggressive with the football, but but vows to, be, uh, to better weigh risk versus reward. I don't think that Dak is, like, the problem. Um, you know, and, and to be clear, I don't know that there is a huge problem. Like, there's not a massive problem. We're, you know, we, we are, you know, these are first world football problems, right? Like, our team is ten and three, and we're sitting here like nitpicking and whatever. Um, but man, um, Dak's got to be better about that. There's, you cannot put yourself in this kind of hole against a lot of teams and win. The Texans are one of them. Um, let's see here. Uh, I don't have him on my stock report because it was a little touch and go. Um, so I just wanted to save it for a general conversation. So I'll ask the question. I think, by the way, that Russell Wilson just threw a pick six and the Chiefs are an extra point away from going up 27 to nothing on them. Um, yes, that's what happened. Um, 27 to nothing about to be the final score in Denver. This game was on prime time. Um, so the NFL spared us. Thank you very much. Although the Dolphins are going to run away with it against the Chargers anyway. But um, so here's my question. I would like the class to answer. I love you all very much. And your opinions mean more to me than anything. So. How did we feel about Kelvin Joseph? How do we feel? Because my opinion, as I wait for your comments, it was mostly bad. Now, Joey says, can't slam Joseph today. By bad, I don't mean it was like the worst of all time, but it was rough. Now, he did have the pivotal, critical, crucial third down stop at the very end. And so I am totally willing to give him credit totally willing to kind of let myself believe that that's a building block. That's a moment we can move forward, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But there was a lot of like, man, um, you know, Kevin, by the way, says Joseph played good. The deep play was a perfect pass. My perception on this based on just my Twitter timeline was that people truly were kind of on both sides of this logical fans is 50, 50. That's kind of how I feel. Like, I don't think that, and that's why I can't really give him a stock down because I feel like it was 50% good, 50% bad. So like I, I have a hard time leaning one direction or the other with him. I feel like I can't say it was a good game and I can't say it was a bad game. It was just kind of a so-so game. Maybe I expected a little bit too much in, in my deepest hope. Um, but, you know, just, just it was it was a little, maybe not underwhelming, but not quite overwhelming. So just kind of whelming. Uh, Brian, thank you once again for the super chats. As KJ had a good PBU at the end, but it was an ugly game. Donnie says, Joseph is going to have growing pains, but still a youngster. He needs to do some growing. And like with growing up, there will be growing pains. Glenn says, the jury is still out. Give him next week against Jacksonville and Trevor Lawrence. I'm fine with that. Alex says, if anything, Joseph got himself back to even today. He's been a pure liability so far this season. Sorry, I'm not buying it. I'm kind of with this. Um, like like he he is now, like maybe now he's, he's, he's all square. I'm cool with that. Like maybe he was a little bit indebted to the house before this game. And now it was, maybe if, it, if anything, he just kind of, you know, squared himself. I kind of like that thought. Um, so, um, you know, just, just kind of is what it is. I mean, just 
a, an okay performance. Not the, the best thing of all time, obviously, but um, you know, just, just a solid afternoon, I guess, uh, for Calvin Joseph. Now I mentioned it. Uh, if you are watching us live on our YouTube broadcast, we do have our righteous fallen craft jerky player of the game. Uh, that you can vote for. It is a very, very tight race right now. We have four options for you. Um, I haven't mentioned it because I thought it was obvious, but you have Zeke Elliott, Tony Pollard, Leighton Vander Esch, or another player. Another player is in last place with 16%. So sorry, Noah Brown. Tony Pollard in second to last place at 19%. Leighton Vander Esch in second place at 32%, which means I think it is time for us to call it our righteous felon craft jerky player of the game has won with 34% of the vote. And it is Ezekiel Elliott who had the game-winning touchdown against the Houston Texans. Um, I would have gone with Leighton Vander Esch. That was my vote. Um, a lot of you wanted it to be Tony Pollard. Uh, but Zeke had a, a really great game, I thought, in a lot of ways. We talked about him, obviously, on the stock-up list. Zeke had 15 carries, 62 yards, 4.1 yards per carry. Of course, had the game-winning score, had the longest run of the day for the Cowboys at 25 yards. Uh, really did kind of look closer to his vintage self. Again, kind of a, a heavy thing to throw out there. On the subject of Righteous Felon, make sure you go to RighteousFelon.com and use discount code BTB15 at checkout to get 15% off your order. Get the Nelson Mandela flavor. Trust me, you will never, ever, ever, ever eat any other beef jerky ever again. Um, I mentioned my wife. I had never done stocking stuffers before I met my wife. She's a big stocking stuffer person. This is a phenomenal stocking stuffer. You get somebody, some righteous phone, stuff it on in there, and it's a happy Merry Christmas for everybody. Um, let's see your Toxic Sooner says he's similar to this post-game show. Not horrible, but still makes me shake uh, me shake my at the dumb decisions. You know what, Toxic Sooner? I uh, appreciate the commentary. I'll work to be better. That's our goal around here. Look. It's our post-game show. If I can be better, I certainly want to be um, you know, the best I can be to, to give everybody what they deserve. We're here to talk about the 10-3 and 3 Dallas Cowboys at the end of the day. Sometimes, like the Cowboys against the Texans, we're going to have some missteps. Sometimes we're going to make mistakes. Sometimes we're not going to be perfect. But you know what? We're going to land this plane, and we're going to pull off the dub the way the Cowboys did. Uh, Scott says team-wide injuries are a concern. I agree with that. Um, and it's, it's a tough time of year for that, right? Because... You know, like last week, you lose Anthony Brown. It's like, well, you don't really have anybody. You have Kelvin Joseph. And it's like, I don't really, really believe in, in Kelvin Joseph. But who else? What's the other option, right? You, you're just kind of stuck at this point in time. Jared, by the way, great point, says the Ancho Villa and Darth Garlic flavors from Righteous Felon are great as well. Um, so, um, you know, hey, anything from Righteous Felon. I love the biltong a little bit more and the meat sticks. The, the jerky is just a little bit harder to eat. But um, those are all um, phenomenal. Uh, excuse me, Fab did it again. Fab Sosa says Damone Clark is getting better week by week by week. I very much agree with that. We have a bot here. I'm going to get the bot out. Don't worry. Uh, the bot is um, gone. Let's see here. Uh, where is it? Um, I saw Kevin's comment. I wanted to get to stock down Washington talking trash about wanting his name to grow this week. And then is a ghost. I don't think that's fair. Um, it was James Washington's first game. I mean, what's he going to say? I'm cool with that. I'm cool with the guy having lofty goals and lofty expectations. He hadn't played, he hadn't been in like organized football in a, at a competitive level. Yeah, he practiced, but like since training camp, since the first week of training camp. I mean, think about how different life was back in early, you know, July or early August. I mean, it's just, you know, I'm, I'm cool with that. Um, it's unfortunate that, uh, that James Washington couldn't reel in the one catch. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's going to take some time. It took Michael Gallup time. Mike, oh, man, we didn't even talk about it, but the drop touchdown at the end um, was tough. Tough tough time for Michael Gallup. That's okay. Um, you can't come down with them all. C.D. Lamb, I thought, man, I really thought we were going to get like this big game from C.D. Lamb, um, especially after the opening possession, but um, only five catches for 33 yards for C.D. He is now 39 yards away uh, from hitting 1,000 on the season. I think I did that mental math, right? Um, so, you know, not quite a thousand yards yet for CD today. Um, Kevin really stuck on this talking trash thing. I don't think he talked trash. I think James Washington was just confident. I think everybody was just kind of in the moment, uh, but I'm fine disagreeing there. Uh, Michael P says, any reason D-Law was talking mad noise on the play that Pierce got hurt? Not totally sure. And I didn't give Demarcus Lawrence a stock up, um, but I'm fine if you want to. I mean, the, the play at the end in and of itself, I, like I said, Demarcus Lawrence, honorable mention for me. Donovan Wilson, honorable mention for me. Forced the um, the, the fumble, obviously. the By the way, how about that Trayvon Diggs recovery uh, where he ran backwards like a billion yards? That was a wild sequence. Um, it really just I, – I love this comment actually from Steven. It says, in, in years past, we lose this game. I agree with that. And 
it was frustrating. It was very frustrating. It was concerning, right? There's a lot to, to kind of take away and be concerned about and wonder, et cetera, et cetera. This week will not be as fun as last week was, just as one example. But the Cowboys are 10 and 3. The Cowboys are closer to the one seed in the NFC than they were when this week began. They are getting closer to that in that respect. If the Eagles lose, like I said, if the Eagles lose on Sunday afternoon next week against the Chicago Bears, that's in Chicago, if you're curious. Justin Fields could go off, do a crazy thing coming off the bye. If the Eagles lose that game, then Christmas Eve is for the one seed. And that is totally possible. The Niners, by the way, thank you to Mark, just scored to make it 21 to nothing. There is a flag on the play, I think. No, that's a play before. Sorry, um, I'm behind you right here. I had to pause and move. Anyway, um, but man, I mean, I agree that they would have lost this game. And so... I don't know what I think the ceiling is for this team. Um, by the way, Loco tweeted out, Purdy is being very, very relevant. Um, nice. Nicely done. One point slash JG26 underscore JDog says, we can't win by 30 points every week. This is still the NFL. Matt, I, I saw this comment earlier. So I don't know if it was you, Matt, or somebody else. And this had 2019 Jets games vibes written all over. But Rain Dakota Prescott put the team on his back and led them to victory. In case nobody remembers or somebody doesn't remember what Matt is talking about, the Cowboys were 3-0, I think, 3-0, heading to play the New York Jets in um, in 2019. The Jets were 0-3, and, and I believe, I believe that that was Sam Darnold's first game back from the mono that he had had, that he had missed a game. Remember, everybody remembers that was a crazy sequence, et cetera. And the Cowboys lost that game. It was super embarrassing. Now, to the Cowboys' credit, they came out the next week and just destroyed. Actually, no, it was week six they fell to three and three now that i'm remembering it more clearly now the cowboys lost that game they lost three in a row after starting off three and oh they lost three in a row to fall to three and three and then they destroyed the philadelphia eagles uh on sunday night football that was the night the dax dax excuse me dax dance was born um and this this game had that right the, the jets you know just kind of caught the cowboys playing down to them and beat them um and i i agree with that this game had that vibe and and the cowboys to your credit matt were able to say enough all right let's get this one drive and get this win and none of it matters it all is learning opportunity it all is is data for us to take and learn from but it will not hurt as much if we don't pull this one drive off it should not have come down to that it did though and they pulled it off and so i agree that they are better than their previous selves they don't get a trophy for that or anything but um that is in and of itself a very impressive thing patrick uh very friendly friend of the show patrick is an eagles fan everybody be cool to patrick um started off the comment rj i'm an eagles fan and i think you're great toxic sinners just a hater uh you know you made it when you have haters thank you patrick i thought that comment was going to be at the cowboy about the cowboys but i uh, appreciate you checking in really looking forward to, to this christmas eve game obviously between the cowboys and eagles um you guys let me know by the way the niners touchdown was called incomplete so whatever um anyway Man, um, this this was a stressful day. Uh, this was a really, really stressful day, and it ended in a very positive way. Um, man, um, and Perry ties a, a nice bow on this here. It says, sorry if it was said earlier, but how about those back-to-back double-digit win seasons? Again, and I'm with you, Perry, so I'm, I'm not disparaging the comment here. Nobody is saying the Cowboys are the greatest team in the NFL because they have had back-to-back seasons with double-digit wins. That, in the grand scheme of things, not even the grand scheme, like the medium scheme, um, is meaningless, right? Cool. Congratulations. You are a functionally good football team. But you know what, people? They haven't been. (laughs) They haven't been. They haven't been a functionally good football team. I wrote about this subject, actually, um, at blogontheboys.com this past week, and there was a comment that I loved that said, you know, every year that the Cowboys have been really good, there's been this pressure, you know, that this kind of because there's this precious sort of energy around it that knowing that they're going to have some sort of fallback next year. Right. Like like in, in, in 2014 and 16 and 18 and 21, we all kind of always had the same thoughts like, oh, man, this this loss really hurts because it's so hard to get back here. And we know that it's hard to get back because the Cowboys haven't gotten back. They haven't been double digit win teams in consecutive seasons in over 25 years. And yet here they are. They are a playoff team. Not mathematically, the Eagles, they did punch their playoff ticket today. The Minnesota Vikings did not clinch the NFC North today, but the Eagles are officially headed to the playoffs. The Cowboys are not there yet, but they will be soon enough. I mean, they have 10 wins with four to go. They are all but guaranteed a spot in the playoffs this year. And that being the case, they are going to be a playoff team in back-to-back seasons for the first time since 2006 and 2007. That should be celebrated. That should be something that we are excited about, both for the here and now and for the future. And that is in itself a very, 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 very good thing. Um, let's see here. 
per, uh, per, Perlman, Perlman family. Sorry about that. The L confused me. He says, new to the live chat, RJ. Welcome, Perlman family. Usually listen to you during the week after the live show. How can we possibly possibly beat the Eagles when they hit fourth and one every time and we are maybe 50-50? I agree. Um, the Eagles' fourth and one conversion is maybe the most surefire thing in the NFL, um, which is terrifying. I mean, the question, how can you how can you beat them? How can you beat the Eagles if you're the Cowboys? You can't play like this. You, you can't. I mean, and the frustrating thing, and it's been said, we've talked about it around in circles. We know the Cowboys have, have maybe not perfect football in them, but, but very good football, you know, start to finish football in them. We know that they have that within them, and that's why this is frustrating. We know you're a better team than this, Cowboys, than to play down to the Texans and, and eat got a win 27 to 23. You won. Good for you. Respect. You're 10 and 3. Double-digit win seasons and all that jazz, but you should not have been in this position. Learn the lesson. Take the moral loss. Build upon it. Let's go to Jacksonville next week. Get the dub. Get ready for Christmas Eve. Get ready. By the way, that Thursday night football game against the Titans after after the Eagles game, I was a little bit nervous about that, and I'm, I'm still a little bit scared of Derrick Henry. Don't get me wrong. But after today, after seeing uh, the Niners touchdown is good, by the way, Christian McCaffrey, so it is 20 to nothing extra point coming uh, against the Bucks. That is great to see. As a Cowboys fan, although the Niners staying good definitely is concerning. Uh, maybe the Purdy thing chills out. Who knows? But anyway, um, that Titans game, I'm, I'm a little bit less scared of. But I'm maybe a little bit more scared of the Jaguars game. Kind of go back and forth. But either way, let's get through Jacksonville, get to Christmas Eve, and let the cards fall where they may. The Cowboys are in this. The Vikings lost today. They need, Their list of things they need is down to one. We needed two things as Cowboys fans. Obviously, besides for the team to keep winning. We needed a Vikings loss at some point and an Eagles loss at some point outside of the Cowboys game. We got that Vikings loss. That should be celebrated. All right, we got that loss. We got one of the two things that we need. We need one more thing, and the Cowboys control their own destiny with regards to the number one seed in the NFC. Um, Eileen Peppers says, I'm thinking about the Super Chat, Eileen, says, I'm sick of fans assuming we need to win by 30, SMH. I agree with you. Um, that's why multiple things can be true, right? We can sit here and say, look, they didn't dominate the Texans. That's okay. We can also, on the other hand, say, well, but, you know, they kind of played down to them. <laughs> you know, they, they should be better than that, right? You don't have to be on your A-plus game every week, but you you can't throw up a D game, right? They threw up a D game in this particular game. They won. Give them their credit. Give them their props. But we expect better. Um, you don't have to play, you know, 30-plus point margin of victory football all the time. But you got to play better than this. That's the one thing um, that we're uh, we're asking for. Caleb says Purdy is playing a pretty good game today. Wow. Well said. Well, well said. By the way, uh, and we'll talk about this obviously in the week. The Cowboys are, in case you don't know, the Cowboys are going to visit Jacksonville next Sunday. That is going to be the Cowboys' first visit to Jacksonville since 2006. That is crazy to me. That is wild. The Cowboys have not played a game against the Jaguars in Jacksonville since 2006. And if you're wondering, if you're like, how's that possible? Uh, the last time the Cowboys visited the Jaguars when they should have played in Jacksonville in 2014, that was a home game for the Jaguars, obviously, but it took place in London. Um, so that is why it's been so long for the Cowboys having visited Jacksonville specifically, uh, which they will do um, on Sunday for the first time. That Jacksonville game in 2006, by the way, that was T.O.'s first game as a member of the Dallas Cowboys. Now, Eston Kirby says that game next could be a true trap game. I think that – so people misuse the term trap game. This does fit the definition because it could be a trap game in that the Cowboys are looking forward to the Eagles the next week, blah, blah, blah. I think we should all be grateful. Moral loss, again, Cowboys – the Cowboys won their trap game, right? The Cowboys flew very close to the sun today against the Houston Texans, and they hopefully learned their lesson and therefore won't have the trap game next week um, against the Jaguars. So I hope you guys had a wonderful day. I hope um, that um, your fantasy teams are doing well. We're getting down to that time of year where it's fantasy playoff season. I hope uh, your Christmas shoppings go well, whatever. I hope you're enjoying new TV shows, new movies. I started that Pepsi documentary thing on Netflix. Holy crap. That story is wild. So um, if you haven't started that, give it a chance. Um, I highly, highly, highly recommend. So uh, let's go ahead and uh, let's get out of here. Uh, my name is RJ Ochoa. You can follow me on Twitter or Instagram at RJ Ochoa. I've been putting stuff up on Instagram and TikTok this year. I'm on TikTok, RJ.Ochoa. If you want to send me an email, Toxic Sooner, you have a list of things that you think I can do better. I am very, very, very open to hearing them. I want to make this show as best as it possibly can be. For Dallas Cowboys fans across the world, my email is RJ.Ochoa 
at SBNation.com. If you want to leave a comment here, we'll get to those as well. If you have not yet, please consider liking this video, subscribing to the Blog and the Boys YouTube channel, or if you're listening on the podcast side of things, subscribing to the Blog and the Boys podcast network, leaving a rating and writing a review. Let's bounce. The Dallas Cowboys 10 and 3. However they got here, they ultimately did. Thanks for hanging out, everybody. Have a great week. Tomorrow, victory, Polo Monday. We love you all.